DJ James can be the best corner in the SEC this season. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com, also the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. Lindsey, DJ James, Auburn cornerback, can be the best cornerback in the SEC in 2023. According to Pro Football Focus, he was the fourth highest scorer in their grades among SEC corners last year. He scored an 82.3, mm-hmm. which, just to break it down, that's good. Lindsay. Yes. That's good. Anything 1 to 100 80, scale is great. Mm-hmm. Anything above 80, very, very good. Very, very hard to do. And only three corners in the SEC scored higher than them, two of which will be draft picks over the next few months with uh, Emmanuel Forbes, the Mississippi State corner. He scored an 87.2. Then Kedron Smith uh, of Kentucky scored an 85.6. The only returning starter with a higher PFF grade last year that is returning is Alabama's Kool-Aid McKinstry. And, Lindsay, I think it's a very real conversation between DJ James and Kool-Aid McKinstry regarding who's the best corner in the SEC entering the 2023 season. Yeah, and what makes this tough, and I know PFF does the best job they can with trying to compare scores and all of that. What makes this really tough is you don't play defense by yourself, right? Correct. And I guess cornerback is the closest you could get, really, to playing a defensive position by yourself. But even then, you're influenced by the game plan, you're influenced by the pass rush, all of these outside factors. And so when you look at the scores of these two guys, Kool-Aid McKinstry, 82.5. DJ James, 82.3. To me, it's more impressive for DJ James to have the score he had than Kool-Aid McKinstry to have the score he had simply because the supporting cast, the defensive reputation of the team, and all of that around Kool-Aid McKinstry is so much better. Plus, it's really hard to take somebody who's named after a children's drink seriously. Like, it's the same problem that you had with Moo Milk Muhammad. Like, you just can't really get behind him because of the child's drink nickname. Sure. And so, Kool-Aid is delicious, though. Like, let's be very clear on this. Kool-Aid is sugary and good, especially on a hot summer day. I'd rather have an Arnold Palmer. It's just one of those, like, it, oh. it's, hard, it's hard for me to take oh. Kool-Aid McKintry seriously with the name. But either way, I think grade-wise, they are, I mean, l- less than half a point separate. And if yeah. I'm picking one of those two, I'm picking the guy who got his score just as good with a supporting cast, which I don't think it's breaking news to say Auburn's supporting cast was not as good as Alabama's on defense last year. Uh, that's right, and it probably won't be this year. As well. In fact, I think James could probably take a bigger step this upcoming season if we felt better about Auburn's pass rush. But I think when you look at the defense, and we've talked about linebacker a lot, and I like the pieces of the defensive front, but I like the lineman part of it. I don't know about the edge stuff yet. And Keldrick Vaughn could be great. We don't know. 
We don't know. Dylan Brooks could take that next step. We don't know. Um, Elijah McAllister could be better at Auburn than he was at Vandy because the guys next to him will be better at Auburn than they were at Vandy, right? Like, I mean, it's similar to the corner situation. The Eculiota rule. He got better because the supporting cast was better. Yeah, totally. And, and opportunity, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think, obviously, corners and anybody in pass coverage is going to help if they don't have to cover for as long. I think that's very, very clear, very, very straightforward. And you look at Kool-Aid, could he take a step back? I mean, they're losing Will Anderson, right? Who didn't have the season that we thought he would, but he's still being talked about, you know, could he be the first pick overall in the 2023 NFL draft? So I think there's a lot of factors that play into this, Lindsay. But also, DJ James, he allowed fewer completion percentage when targeted um, than any corner in the SEC when you look at PFF's top 20 corners in 2022. That's pretty remarkable when you have to go down like 22 spots. I think it was before you find somebody that allowed less than 40.7% completion percentage when thrown against you. And you look at who Auburn played last year with Ole Miss, with Mississippi state, with Alabama, with Georgia, a lot of effective offenses and DJ James, when, when he was thrown at only come, uh, only a lot of completions, 40.7% of the time. For comparison, McKinstry, who was on the higher end of this, allowed catches on 46.3% of passes where he was targeted. So once again, I just think looking at the sample size and looking at actual results, mm-hmm. I think it's worth noting like DJ James, Kool-Aid McKinstry, very, very close. And we're talking about Kool-Aid McKinstry being a guy where like if you Google, Google his name, there's all sorts of stories out there saying like, is he the best returning def- defender? In college football, not just the SEC, is he the best returning defensive back in the SEC? I saw several of those. I mean, he's getting lauded with all of these awards. And I'm not saying Kool-Aid McKinstry is bad. Please understand that. I just think, I think it's a discussion that DJ James's season last year was actually more impressive. Yeah, and it's, for me, it comes back to doing more with less, right? I mean, he has a better completion percentage when targeted. He has equivalent numbers on PFF, which again, not in the room. They don't know exactly what was called. They're doing the best job they can from the outside to kind of grade these things. But to me, the ceiling for DJ James next year depends on Auburn's pass rush. And you touched on it earlier. You mentioned the linebackers and what Ron Roberts wants to do. He does a lot of stuff involving pressure, you know, cre- simulating pressure, creating pressure out of nowhere, sending defensive backs, sending linebackers. Uh, it all comes back to the less time that DJ James has to cover, the better he's going to look. You give any wide receiver 10 seconds and they can probably get open against yeah. the defensive back because you're so reactive as a defender. But if Auburn's pass rush can be incrementally better 10 percent better i think that at the end of the season next year provided both guys are healthy you don't really have that conversation about which one of these guys is better and if you had the ability to bet on who's going to have a better year in 2023 from a defensive back perspective i feel like dj james is probably worthy of your money mckintry would absolutely be the favorite the betting favorite but dj james would be the better value and probably ultimately going to be the winner of that bet and I think I test is in this as well. Like you just watch DJ James, like he's good. Like mm-hmm. DJ James is a very good corner. And once again, Kool-Aid McKinstry is not bad, but as far as like the physicality, like I'll take DJ. 
in that. As far as playing off ball, I'd probably take McKinstry with that. As far as run support, the numbers actually back DJ in that. So still, there's a there's a there's a toss up here. It's very very close, and everybody's just kind of given this award going into the season the Kool Aid. No, this is a this is a battle. It's a one A and one B type situation, and I think DJ James can be the best SEC cornerback in 2023. Auburn will have other corners that step up this season. This incredibly deep position group will create a great conversation about who is the man opposite DJ James at corner. Lindsay, you and I will discuss who that could be in the process of finding who that is in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. But look, it, some of these jobs are tough to get. It's tough out there. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. When it comes to filling jobs, LinkedIn Jobs is the best place to go. In fact, it's not even close. If you're a defensive coordinator trying to find the number two corner, if you are a small business owner or a hiring manager, you've got to know that success in 2023 depends on the team members that you surround yourself with or put opposite of DJ James. That's why you've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals, whether it's bump and run, whether it's off ball, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, LinkedIn Jobs can help you um, with, with all types of tools. They've got 80, 875 million members um, to, to put your post in front of. They've got all kinds of things, so you want to be sure to check them out. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That is LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Lindsey Crosby, our guest today. The battle for Auburn's second corner, I think, Lindsey, is going to be one of my favorite stories this spring. I just did. I'm a corner guy. I love defensive back play. I think it's going to be Nehemiah Pritchett. But to me, I think it depends more on how this staff chooses to use guys that have played in the middle of the field. Kay and Lee, I think body-wise, Looks like a middle-of-the-field type player. Jalen Simpson was an outside corner, moved into free safety towards the end of the year. We'll talk more about him in a second. Keontae Scott is a similar thing. Like, I think he's got more of that it factor, that X factor, than Nehemiah Pritchett. But I just think the reps, Lindsay, I think the reps point to Nehemiah Pritchett being the guy opposite DJ James. Yeah, and this is a very good problem to have. Like, Auburn, like yes. don't like Auburn fans, don't be worried about the fact that we don't know who the out, starter at outside corner is because one depth will always work itself out. I say this over and over you and over again that. on the show, yeah. uh, but it's true it because is. like you would rather have one too many options to start spring than one too few options. All oh. it takes is a high ankle sprain. All so it wise. takes is some sort of bad fall, something like that, and all of a sudden now you you're down a guy. Uh, it, it feels. It feels like it's Nehemiah Pritchett's job just based on frame. And part of that is I think Keontae Scott in junior college was like the like, was a nickel. He played mm. nickel, uh, did pretty well. And so it's something where, I mean, that's where he's most experienced. He was a team captain right. there, co-defensive player of the year, two-time Juco All-American at the nickel. Right. And so that's where he's, you'd have to think, most comfortable. So it makes sense that he'd be there. Uh, you know, Nehemiah Pritchett on the outside, being a senior now, returning starter. He's done that now for two years. He's been out there. 
I feel like the guy we're not talking a ton about in this conversation, mm-hmm. and he might be end up as a nickel as well, but J.D. Rim. Yeah, I think he's an interior guy. Yeah, those those Vought Austin guys. It just feels like they're a little more hard-nosed, uh, a little more willing to, like to get mixed up and things like that. Uh, but, no, just, it's going to be an interesting position battle. And where Kay and Lee fits in, that I think to me is the big kind of uh, X factor in this as far as does he fit in the inside or the outside? Where mm-hmm. does he play? And, like, ultimately, again, good problem to have, right? ton of options. I think that you could see Nehemiah Pritchett open spring there. I just, do we think that Keontae Scott ends up outplaying him? I don't know. Uh, I'm there with you. I think they're going to keep Keontae in the middle of the field. I actually didn't realize how much J.D. Rim played outside corner. He played outside corner 187 of his 314 snaps Mm -hmm. last year. So he's done both inside and outside. He's he's well versed at both, and is a flexible option to move in or move out. Well, really, when you just look at his defense, a lot of his snaps are on special teams: fifty-three on kick coverage, three on punt coverage, thirty-nine on punt return, nine on field goal block. When you look at defense, he actually only plays slot corner in three snaps, and then wide corner one hundred eighty-seven. So I'm off on that. I'm now, off on that. Well, flip side of this is. Different defensive staff, different coaching staff, not a sure. ton of continuity. You, de- you, you do keep a defensive back coach, but not a ton of continuity. A lot of guys have opportunities to reestablish themselves other positions right. or make a preference. I don't know if he has a preference on those. I know that based on what they've done in the past, you know, Keontae Scott, he got 12 snaps outside last year. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably something where, you know, Given past history, you line guys up based on where they've been in the past, but do you cross-train guys at different positions? Does this Ron Roberts defense feel like a defense where the in, the nickel guy has significantly different responsibilities than the outside guy? Because to me, it kind of feels like you probably do. You probably have more pass rush responsibility. Yeah, it's you a different probably, position. Yeah, yeah, it's a like, different position. It's right. a different position, but then also compared to some other defenses, you do more. I feel like there's probably going to be more blitzing from the sl- uh, from the nickel position than you had under the previous regime. I feel like you do you're going to be have to be more flexible and do more things because this defense as a whole likes to try to do more things and not be so rigid on what each position does. So that's a who's from the a most blitz, well-rounded from a blitz pass rush standpoint. Yeah. Because Ron Roberts is going to, they're probably going to send the nickels, the, the the slot corners more. Yeah. Who do you like from a pass rush standpoint more? Uh, Keontae Scott. We'll throw J.D. Rim in there just in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kay and Lee. Or Jalen Simpson. So, Rim had 10 tackles for loss between his junior and senior years of high school. Obviously, we didn't see a lot of him, the big, uh, you know, in 2022, doing that. So I don't know how he would do, but he has some experience with getting in the backfield and mixing it up. Okay. Uh, Keontae Scott, his very first game at the SEC level, had a memorable tackle for loss against Mercer and ended the season with plenty of tackles, like did the same thing. So I think frame-wise, I mm. like the guys that are a little bit bigger. You take somebody like a, you know, like a Jalen Simpson, 6'1", 180, Keontae Scott, six foot one eighty five, like that bigger frame, the one eighty five. That feels to me like a guy you're more confident 
sending on a rush, trying to get around somebody to, to make a tackle for loss in the backfield. But admittedly, I don't know a ton about blitzing defensive backs and what that looks like. So a lot of that's it's the hard speed. part here. A lot of it's speed. Um, Jalen Simpson's fascinating to me because played 222 snaps at outside corner, then due to injury, moved to free safety and excelled. Looked, Looked great. great. Yeah, which is so weird because I hated it when we lined them up off ball. And then obviously safety, it's like as off ball as you can get. And I guess it's because his first step was forward and it changed things, changed his mentality and how he like took in the information. But very much a mindset thing. It was great. Like, I mean, he, he was awesome. So like, I, I don't know if you want to move that, but maybe if he feels better in the middle of the field, maybe he's a candidate for that type of role. And as far as sending a defensive back, uh, if I had to blitz any of them, it would be Jalen Simpson. But I don't know if he's going to necessarily be in that slot corner role. I think he's going to play free safety. But, man, if um, if you're sending a DB, I want it to be him. I mean, when you're sending somebody, you want somebody who's fast. You want a good step. You want a, like a natural instinct of feeling the snap so you can get as much of an advantage as you possibly can. And also, you just want somebody that's going to hit you. Like, And, and Jalen Simpson's going to beat the crap out of you if he's given the opportunity. That's just who he is. So he's mean. mean. I love it. I love, I mean, I'm a Jalen Simpson truther, like through and through. I have been for years. Like I love Jalen Simpson. Um, so I think he could do anything. So I, I may, I mean, I may not be, I'm probably a little biased on this, but I can't wait to see how the staff uses him. I will defer to you on any defensive back opinion. You have been very like, you have been on the ball with all of these guys. You were the one, uh, you know, just like banging the table on different guys, their freshman year. And then we look and, you know, now they're professionals playing quarterback in the NFL. It's like, yeah, yeah, Zach had that dude as a freshman. So I will defer to you on any defensive back thing. Uh, you're probably right on it. <laughs> Who do you think will be the corner starting opposite DJ James? Let us know either on Twitter or uh, in, in the YouTube comments down below or in the Locked Out Armor Discord. Would love to hear from you. Lindsey Crosby, it was opening day and opening weekend for Auburn baseball. Most of it. Went really, really well. Uh, yesterday's was not great. We'll touch on all that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Alumni Hall. It is the best place to buy all of your Auburn sports memorabilia. Had a few of you reach out to me on Twitter and on Discord saying, hey, it's my first time going to Alumni Hall. Uh, I think actually the, the three of you that reached out all said you're going to the Tigertown location. That's the one I go to. Um, and, and it's great. It's great. Hopefully you all had an outstanding time, but all of their gear officially licensed. You know, you're getting real legitimate Auburn stuff. Um, and it's not just clothes, right? I mean, not just hats, but they've got, you know, stuff for your walls. They've got drinkware. If you're trying to spice up your tailgate for whatever reason at this time of year, go to alumni hall. And if you aren't available to go in any of their physical stores that are in Auburn, Opelika and Huntsville, go to alumni hall.com Lindsey Crosby our guest Auburn baseball winning the series winning game one winning game two for getting to show up for game three where do you want to start when recapping this first weekend of the season I think the big thing to take away from this weekend is what you learned about the pitching against Indiana I don't know if I said that you did not say Indiana but uh, a good team that is expected to compete for the conference this year. 
And the big thing to me is you learned a lot about your pitching this weekend. So I wrote up all three games, AuburnDaily.com. You can go look at takeaways from all three games. Uh, but the big thing to me is you, you struggled in game three because of the pitching issues you had in games one and two. You had good outings from individual guys. John Armstrong in game one. Everybody knows, if you've been watching this show, one of the guys that I've been just fascinated with has been side armor John Armstrong. Uh, he goes out there. It's not a super long start for, start for starter Chase Alsup. He only makes it two innings, gives up a couple runs. Yeah. Armstrong goes three and a third innings, looks absolutely dominant. Longest side of his career. Slider is just filthy. Fastball is working, looks fantastic. Saturday, Joseph Gonzalez, who you've talked about before, kind of like you are with defensive backs. I've been with Joseph Gonzalez. been talking about him now for two and a half years. Strike daddy. Strike daddy. Just absolutely goes out there, mows guys down. They were right. hoping, they were said they'd be thrilled to get three innings. Because the reminder here is he had a recurrence of that shoulder injury. He didn't take his first, he didn't face live batting, like live hitters until last Sunday in the inner squad. He went two innings. And so the thought process was, we'll start him on Saturday. We'll be happy to get three. He goes five innings and doesn't even look like, it doesn't look like he was trying. I mean, 41 pitches, 32 of them are strikes. Stupid. Um, absolute clinic. Uh, I mean, 11 ground ball outs among the 15 outs he got. Nobody hit a ball in the air until the fifth inning. Joseph Gonzalez, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stake the flag here. Joseph Gonzalez is going to have multiple complete games for Auburn this year. That's just the efficiency that he has keeping the ball down and inducing weak contact. And I think what we saw Sunday is why those complete games could be so crucial over the course of the season. Yes. When it's early in the year. So when it's early in the year, a lot of starting pitchers aren't equipped to go five, six, seven innings, right? And so what you do is you pair a starter with what's called a piggyback. I explained this at AuburnDaily.com, but it's the idea of we're going to pick a second starter, in essence, to go behind the original guy. And maybe we'll pick who it is based on, you know, lefty to a righty or uh, finesse versus power, whatever. But Chase Allsup on Friday night goes one and two-thirds innings. Um, on Saturday, you get a long start from Gonzo. Tommy Sheehan's the piggyback. He only yes. goes a third of an inning. Right. Drew Nelson, true freshman, on Sunday doesn't get out of the first inning. That kid looks so nervous. I felt sorry for him. It was he didn't have the curveball. He was yeah. he was fastball changeup only. He kept shaking off the curveball. And so when you're when you're a pitcher that his fastball sits high 80s, when you don't have blow them away velocity, you have to have all of your pitches working. And when you're if you're, if you're missing one, that's what happens. It's a little bit smaller margin for error on something like that. Yeah, uh, but because you had a guy go short in game one, you had to use Armstrong too long. He was unavailable the rest of the weekend because you had a guy go short in game two. You had to pull two of your primary bullpen bullpen pieces out and chase Isbell and Tommy Vale. And so on Sunday for game three, when Drew Nelson didn't make it out of the first, you didn't have your your stud pitchers to go to to take his place. Yeah. And so that's why you saw the, the, the 11 to two blowout in game three, because you just didn't have the horses anymore. You used your horses to get through the weekend. So it's, I wouldn't be too concerned about any individual game that Auburn would play, right? Like you still won the series 
And you still have enough talent. If you have to win a game, you're going to win a game. But the thing to think about is you need these pitchers as a whole to be more effective mm-hmm. and to go longer. You got you use seven pitchers to go through Sunday's game. And only Zach Crotchfelt made it more than one in the third innings. It's just something where everybody... He looked great. He, he looked awesome. fantastic. Another yeah. true freshman, but he's got that blow-it-past-you velocity, 94-95 on the fastball. Uh, it, 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 he's got that swag to him, too, where it's like, I don't want to mess with that guy. Like, he kind of gives that off a little bit, too. He has definitely... I, I guarantee you, he has definitely had plenty of chances to work on the, the K-strut, as they call it, when, yeah. you, when you get a punchy. And, you know, they're throwing the ball around the infield. You can kind of just strut a little bit. He's had plenty of chances to work on that. I can tell you that. There was a shot on the TV broadcast where he's like, I am I can guess what he was saying, but he was yelling into his glove. Yeah. And then he struck a dude out. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty nasty. Like, Those are. <laughs> I want that guy on my team. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is uh, what's affectionately known. And I'll censor this as MF and a guy. You're MF and a guy before you strike him out. You're getting angry at the batter for daring to face you in the box. Uh, that's what he did. It's a mindset we haven't had at Auburn in a while. Casey Mize is the last guy I can think about that had that kind of. Was like, he good? I'm, Was Casey uh, Mize good? You know, one one in the draft. Not yeah, bad. something like that. Yeah. yeah, you know, he's that kind of guy that like takes it personally that you dare get in the box against him. Yeah, how and dare you play the sport of baseball and happen to play me? Shame on rude. you. Like, yeah, I love that mindset. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, the offense did enough. For the most part, this weekend, uh, passing grade wouldn't give them an A. Uh, it's something where they got better at some things. You saw from Friday to Saturday, the strikeouts more than cut in half. The situational hitting kind of comes through uh, in game two. Game three, offense definitely at a premium. Justin Kirby hits two home runs, one on Friday, one on Sunday. Right. And Kirby's home run on Sunday was huge because you were in danger of getting run ruled. There's a new run rule now. If you're down by 10 runs or more after the eighth inning, the game is over. It's not like an optional thing. The game is oh, just over. Wow. And Auburn was down by 10 in the bottom of the eighth. And Justin Kirby leads off with the home run. It's like, well, we're playing nine. So that's nice. A um, couple things to still work on. Obviously, you're not quite there yet. You've got to right. figure out. You have to get Nate LaRue going. He was hitless over the weekend, had an RBI. Had, that, know, new stance is times. that new stance does not look right, Lindsay. Uh, he, he he's right eye dominant. So if you haven't watched the broadcast yet, he kind of stands really open with his face facing the pitcher, like completely turned. Yeah, but his and, body looks like he's facing like third base. It's weird. Yeah, and then he kind of steps in to make his swing. It's 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 a little. It looks a little awkward. He made solid contact a couple times. He got he had a screamer short that got picked and thrown out. Yeah. Uh, the the second baseman had a diving catch in the ninth inning on on. Saturday on a line drive. He's making hard contact. They just haven't fallen yet. I kind of feel like that's a little bad luck on batting average on balls in play. Mm-hmm. I don't quite think it's time to to consider benching Nate LaRue yet. They did move him down to eighth in the lineup for Sunday. But freshman Ike Irish. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Oh, my goodness. Ike Irish looks like God's gift to offense. Um, <laughs> Ike Irish was phenomenal. So true yeah. freshman. True freshman. He DHs all three games. He goes six for 12 with three doubles, three RBIs, and nine total bases in 12 at-bats. Walks twice, only strikes out once all weekend. And it's just, it's absurd. 
He's so good as a yeah. freshman. This is why he was a top 100 recruit and mm-hmm. why I made such a big deal out of Auburn getting him to campus after the MLB draft versus him going to a big league team. Uh, and so thinking about going forward, no matter what happens this season, after this season, having a lineup or having a pitching rotation that is Zach Crotchfelt and Drew Nelson, who I still have plenty of faith and belief in, sure. and Chase Alsop, who I have belief and faith in, throwing to Ike Irish is incredibly exciting. But in the meantime, you've got a season to do. I feel good about this year. Auburn's going to go on Tuesday to Huntsville, home of the Trash Pandas, Sonny mm-hmm. share's minor league team. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, facing the University of North Alabama. They like these neutral site call, uh, minor league park games for midweeks. I don't believe it's on TV, so we're going to hear if they're going to figure something out, but you can listen to it on AuburnTigers.com. Uh, but either way, Good opening weekend, great fan support. They had over 10,000 fans, uh, had a sellout on Saturday. Great yeah. fan attendance, despite it being freezing cold on Friday night. 39 yeah, degrees at the very end. I had a space heater in the press box with me. MVP of the game was the space heater. Right. But uh, very excited that baseball is back, in case you could not tell. I'll have all of your stuff all season, auburndaily.com. Yep, AuburnDaily.com, as well as uh, the Auburn Daily Show. It's a daily podcast just like this one. Be sure to check that out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and follow Lindsay on socials at Crosby Baseball. You can find all my written work at Auburn Daily, um, AuburnDaily.com as well. You're, throwing the, you're showing the baseball threw me off there. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.